Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Discussing Digital, the podcast from Appraise, the independent digital marketing, technology and data consultancy. This week I invite Andrew Jennings onto the podcast, the social media guru, content genius and all-round lovely bloke, to discuss social media in 2019. We talk fire festival, chickens and eggs, banning social media altogether and much, much more. As always, if you like what we do, please rate, review and subscribe and email me your questions to jack at appraisedigital.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to episode four of Discussing Digital. I'm pleased to say I'm here with Andrew Jennings today. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Jack. Andrew, um, do you want to quickly introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. So I'm um, an independent consultant uh, specialising in social media content and communications. Um, and I either work in-house um, with clients or with agencies to help them in upskilling them in terms of social content and best practice. Lovely. And we did used to work together, didn't we? Yeah. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. We know each other. Um, we've been to the pub before. We've been to the pub before and had a few drinks, yeah. And, and we're here to talk um, very broadly about social media. Um, we chatted at the end of last year um, and obviously we wanted to get you on the podcast. We had a few discussions around what we could talk about. We finally got a date in and it feels like we've chosen a pretty good date to talk about social uh, considering all the stuff that's in the headlines yeah. at the moment. We're going to talk firstly about the Fire Festival documentary. Ooh. So um, everyone in the room's uh, seen it. Uh, I hope, hopefully, we're not going to spoil it too much for people that haven't seen it. Um, for people that don't know what it is, um, it's a documentary on Netflix um, that recounts the, I guess, tale of Fire Festival. The festival was a bit of a disaster. Um, a lot of Instagram, social media influencers were caught up in the whole shebang. A lot of them promoted the festival, encouraged people to get tickets to the festival, which essentially didn't happen. Encourage you all to look it up if you haven't heard about it. I'm sure you have because everybody's talking about it. Andrew, what the hell is all this about? What does it mean for influencers? Who are these influencers? What are they doing? Have they just completely destroyed influencer marketing for everyone? So I have watched the film. Yeah. And it did professionally and personally panic me slightly, it's yeah. kind of trigger. You didn't buy a ticket, did you? No. Okay, good. So I do remember, I do recall after seeing the Netflix trailer, seeing it advertised online and kind of a bit of an explosion in terms of press coverage around Ja Rule and a tech company launching a, this amazing festival in mm-hmm. the Bahamas, as well as seeing the trailer for the festival featuring all those superstar mm-hmm. models. Uh, having a great time on super yards. It looked fun. It, it, did. it looked fun. Who wouldn't want to go? Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's a really good example um, of inauthentic cons and a serious lack of knowing the right ways around engaging influencers. Mm. And I think influencers or influencer strategy has got a bit of a bad name for itself in the industry in recent times for the very fact that it's been exploited or used inappropriately. And having spoken to people recently about both the film and influencer strategy uh, in great depth, it feels as though the bad name that it's got for itself is due to the measurement that people put on reach as opposed to the integrity or the engagement of a post. Okay. So 
what you find is the, the importance of millions of followers is a distraction from the quality that you can get out of partnering with an influencer and accessing their audiences to deliver a message effectively. So there tends to be an approach of um, three R's when it comes to influencers, and that's reach, relevance, and resonance. And you do want some level of reach in order to get your message through to a significant number of people, but it's not always the most important factor in the mix. Mm. And relevance to both your brand and your message or your campaign and your content is something that is also really important. And then the resonance is taking a look at those um, influences and how their content effectively engages. And you can spot um, somebody that's either bought followers or fake followers or bots in order to generate large numbers in terms of their audience size by the levels of engagement they get on their content. Um, there's a, a guy that's a particularly good commentator on um, influencers called Nick Speller. Um, so shout out to him. Mm. If you are interested in this kind of field, he's a good person to follow on Twitter. Yeah, we'll put some links in the description. Yeah, and Scott Guthrie is also quite the, um, the leader when it comes to for leadership on influencers. Mm. I mean, you sort of say about influencers or influencer marketing getting a bad rep, and I think obviously this Fire Festival documentary is probably, you know, made that a hundred times worse. And I think, you know, from our professional standpoint, I mean, personally, I think it's actually quite impressive that, you know, in a way that those influencers managed to create such a hype around something that didn't actually exist and actually get people to part way with so much money yeah but from a joke blogs on the street perspective i think the influencer marketing tag has, has taken a huge hit and I, I don't know if it's if it's if it's going to be able to recover what do you think i mean i would say that there was there's always a place for influencers within a campaign if you think that that's the right way to get to your audience and to, or to deliver a message mm-hmm. um and it works both ways so a lot of people think that influencer engagement and marketing is a one-way street so you engage an influencer and they publish their own channels um, but the best ways that I've seen influencers engaged by brands are the ones that engage them on a one-to-one level and collaborate with them really effectively yeah because you can tell when when you know an influencer or someone's been given copy yeah because uh, it just doesn't sound like it's come from them and it almost yeah. makes it even worse if yeah. it delivers a negative message yeah there's some great examples of kind of fails in that regard people copy and pasting emails into comment sections (laughs) that actually says can you please put this in your post and actually posting that yeah i think fire festival is a really good example though of like like you say of raising that level of hype raising demand without fulfilling it yeah is just bad business and really unethical yeah so that's a really good example of going yeah we can raise enough hype but we don't have the follow-through to go we can put on this amazing festival yeah and i think for years and years brands have used celebrities and influencers so to speak to promote their products so Mm. you know perfume ads will always have some celebrity uh cristiano ronaldo advertises literally everything under the sun and that's always been a very like as you say one way relationship and with social I think because you're opening yourself up to communication with an audience actually that you know almost like brand partnership with an individual has gone to the next level mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just not sure I think there's a really good opportunity for people to kind of not police the way that that's managed but also create a governance and 
process by which to actually manage that two-way communication because it is something that is very unique to social that you wouldn't get that in any other yeah. channel. It's a really important part of working either as an agency advising on influencer engagement or as a brand, knowing who is accountable and responsible for the materials that you're producing together and putting out into the world. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a set of advertising guidelines available for both brands and agencies to make sure that they're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's of uh, full disclosure. And I think more than anything, it's about protecting the audience as well. Um, not everyone can spot yeah. you know, an ad. Mm. And I think that was a really good example in the Fire Festival documentary as well. I didn't know there were two. There are two. Yeah, there's one on Hulu, I think, yeah. but um, probably not available in the UK unless you want to go back to way about it, we would not recommend. <laughs> Unless we have any American listeners. Of course, yeah. Um, or one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, the really clear things, especially with the news this week, that the influencers may be subpoenaed to take part in the, mm -hmm. the trial, that, yeah. is that, that it's not just isolated to the, the fire festival organisers in terms of the responsibility and accountability for delivering that message, yeah. and that that legal responsibility is mm. both the brand and the people that you're working with yeah um so they're not irresponsible yeah i saw them getting quite a lot of hate on uh, mm. on instagram i follow a couple of them um and one of them called crispy shorts is he's kind of he was in the documentary he's hilarious but i think he's getting a lot of hate people saying you've created a a documentary about it surely you must have known at some point that this was all going to go wrong and you have a responsibility really to protect the the people that are going to that festival if you're receiving money. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting line and obviously one that I think is going to be spoken about a lot more over the next months and years. Yeah, I think it's a it's a one to watch. Yeah, agreed. And see whether or not those influencers do get subpoenaed. But there was a piece of news as well around um, full transparency and people and influencers actively signing up to to, to that. Yeah, that was, I saw that one. That was another headline news during yeah. the week, wasn't it? They're all kind of retour and all the rest of them are signing up. Yeah. Yeah, which is going to show some responsibility. Yeah. Which is good. And yeah. you, you mentioned, you know, protecting, um, protecting the public. Another story this week um, from Nick Clegg. They're creating a Facebook war room to, to fight fake news and essentially protect the public. Mm. Um, Facebook's still reporting and, and a lot of social media companies reporting increased revenues and everything seems to be going fine on that front um, but I'm interested to just kind of hear your opinion on the social responsibility of the social networks themselves we spoke about influencers mm. what, where do you see you know the likes of Facebook and, and Twitter um, and Snap stepping in and kind of proactively battling and against the fake fraud and, and protecting the people that they've fought really hard to, to bring together into their communities. Mm. I think it's one of those things where um, it's about time that platforms kind of take full responsibility and accountability for the content that's shared on their platforms. Mm. I think there was a, a long time, there was a kind of a, an ongoing conversation about what the platforms are and defining them and that Facebook was claimed, it was claimed or kind of suggested that it's a, a media or a publisher entity um, when in fact they claim that they're a, an enabler, a, te mm. a tech enabler um, and yet if you were a publisher you would be held responsible for your editorial 
and publishing guidelines of what it is that you do and don't talk about, as well as having yeah. fact-checking in there and the right processes around checking that. I mean, Nick Clegg's speech was interesting, and I'm not surprised, really, that they've recruited him from the perspective of he's a good speaker, mm-hmm. and he has an understanding of digital and people and policies, and he's been part of the European Parliament yeah. and the UK Parliament. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a big kind of innovator in that, in that way, especially, you know, his his election campaign where he you yeah. know he was very digital and he, he went to he went out to talk to the younger generations and, and he had some interesting views on how things should have been done. Yeah. And I think I think being that person and the great relationship that he has with Monster from his speech <laughs> yeah, um, has, mates. has led to having they need a figurehead for that policy, that public policy that they're they're implementing. Um, and in his speech, he spoke a lot about a lot of different touch points when it comes to the accountability of the platform, be it from elections and the influence of um, kind of rogue entities mm-hmm. um, and taking down fake accounts to misinformation and partnering with 13 different companies for fact checking. Yeah. And I think they're all positive moves in the right direction. So they're due to launch this new department in March, as well as a new tool and technology for. Um, combating that. I think it all depends upon the transparency of the way that they handle it and that it's mm. continued to be transparent um, in its entirety. So they're saying at the moment that they will be sharing any political or issues related promoted content on a, on a central library that will be kept for seven years. Okay. So that in itself is going to be a really good resource for people to take a look at whether or not people are being transparent, who is running the advertising, how much they spend, what level of reach that they've got, um, as well as the creative that's being run, because I think that can often be forgotten. So mm-hmm. making sure that the message that they're delivering is one that's accurate and responsible. True, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's fascinating, Facebook, and, and I'm sure the others will follow suit. Um, you know, fingers, crossed. fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, actively coming together to try and fight it. I do worry it's a little bit too late for, for some. Uh, I think a lot of people have lost trust in, in we, we, we do talk about Facebook a lot, but they've obviously been the headline hitters with this kind of news. Mm. I think public uh, interest in, in Facebook is, is more on the negative side now rather than people first going on Facebook and it's this amazing tool that allowed you to kind of connect with everybody and mm. it, it's definitely, as you say, what is, what is a social network, what is it designed to do? Mm. Probably isn't necessarily that anymore, as you say. It's, it, it, it's a number of things, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I do worry that that this is coming a bit late. And you make a good point around they have to be very transparent about this process uh, and keep people updated because I think the public are probably used to seeing headlines about Facebook trying to fix this or fix that, and yeah. evidently not much happening. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Nick Clegg's the guy that, that is that is that figure and, and does communicate it in a way that you know, outside of our little bubble of London media space, do people understand it? Are they going to trust Facebook again? Mm. I think it's important to keep on measuring that as well and making sure that that follow through on integrity and trust is maintained. Mm. Yeah. On the topic of regulation, uh, again, another news story this week. Um, unfortunately, in light of the, the tragic story of Molly Russell, um, who took her own life at, at 14 after seeing disturbing content about suicide on social media. 
Uh, Matt Hancock, who's the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, was on the Andrew Marr show. Uh, again, talking about regulation. It's interesting, we've got Nick Clegg kind of moving into, uh, I guess, a corporate role of Facebook, but obviously Facebook and social media is now in the headlines and in, in politics as, as much as ever, really. The headlines have stated that the UK could ban social media. Um, it's probably not going to be as drastic as that, but it's an interesting topic on the point of, of regulation. Again, as we're saying, how the public are perceiving social media. Mm. I would say that it's quite a clickbaity headline to yeah. ban social media. To, I've got to, to be fair. So. Yeah, um, but I would say, firstly, that the news is incredibly sad. Um, it's a really hard thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think from <clears throat> the way I. I guess look at it is it, it it falls under this umbrella of content that's out there mm. that can potentially lead people into making decisions that they might not necessarily have made themselves and it's influential in, in some aspects you know you've got you know YouTube came under fire because the terrorist videos and yeah you know the content that was uploaded to that platform a few years ago yeah it, it still falls under the it's still under the same premise yeah. And I, 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 I think it's interesting that the government are talking about it because obviously that content is still out there on all these platforms. Yeah. Is, is there a way that you can stop that content from appearing while still allowing people to express themselves? And, and that's a difficult yeah, place to speech. be. Yeah. I think one of the things that really gets me... And I think that needs interrogating further is the notion of machine learning and AI yeah. making decisions on free speech. Yeah. So so it feels as though if people are putting things out there that are harmful yeah. to people, then platforms need to take a responsibility for that. And yeah. it's a I think it's a a duty of care, is that mm. the right? Yeah, it's definitely. A duty of care for them to look after some of the most vulnerable people out there yeah and I, I wouldn't say that's kind of a it, it just it's more than launching a bot to clean up instagram and yeah stop people from showing their nipples mm-hmm. yeah there's so much it's so much more than that yeah and they'll always but they'll, what i would say is that there'll always be a, a way around those bots and yeah. AI machine learning so you can rely on tech yeah and you, yeah. and you can't be fully reliant so one of the things yeah. that the, that community does is they share black and white imagery because it takes away the tonality of mm-hmm. flesh and the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there is a help button that's triggered on Facebook and they claim that they're doing something about it by, if you use the term suicide or self-harm, that that help button will be triggered. But that's just a, yeah. that's, not a that's not enough to yeah. trigger somebody that's in that mindset yeah. to move it because they it's so much more than just a button. Yeah, and I think also that, yeah, especially if they're kind of consuming that kind of content, they're already crying for help. Like, there's a crying yeah. for help in that anyway, so... Yeah, it's not enough to just feature a help button. But I do, I do think there is an accountability again and a responsibility of platforms to make sure that the content that's being seen by these individuals isn't available in, say, the Explore functionality on Instagram. Right. Yeah. So you don't want it to be discoverable because you don't want to encourage that sort of behaviour um, in the same way that you wouldn't want hate speech to be freely available 
um, or for people to be threatened with physical violence. Yeah. Um, and that's it's tantamount to that. Um, what I would say is is that the measures that platforms are putting in place, so be it um, AI or machine learning, is I feel that it's a it's a measure that they're taking to combat the volume of content that's shared on social networks, but I don't think it's enough to fulfill that duty of care that they have. It's not enough of a step to make sure that people are protected. Yeah, and stuff's always going to fall through the net. I mean, in our industry, stuff like click fraud and ad fraud, you can build a tool. Uh, the people that are trying to break the tool are already five steps ahead. So I agree. I think stuff's always going to slip through the net. Um, when it comes to AI and, and tools yeah. to, to help combat that. Um, but yeah, I think that there is an interesting, I think a very powerful uh, ethical argument to potentially, as you say, maybe halt that innovation a little bit. Mm. Facebook as a, as a company, all the social networks, they grow so quickly. Something we spoke about before, they grow so quick, trying to get so many people onto their platform as quickly as possible. The innovation, they, they have to keep going, going, going. And, Potentially, this is the time now where you know, collectively everybody should stop and mm. maybe they should all work together mm. to think actually how do we combat this. And I by no means am a kind of a, a, a hater of AI or machine learning or those <laughs> sorts of things. I think they're really important. <laughs> um, just post them a letter, write them a letter. <laughs> I think, that, I think they're, they're really good developments and they're, they're really good technologies to use, but I think the fusion of AI and machine learning with the human being at the end of it is something that is the most valuable thing. Mm. Um, and the, the platform's moving towards a state of transparency around their moderation guidelines and the way that they analyze and process those rogue pieces of content is something that's really important to keep on reviewing. I'm conscious, obviously, we've uh, discussed the headlines, which, as, as you previously mentioned, the news is sad. Um, it's not all obviously bad news around social. There's loads of examples of social media canvassing communities to do great things. Um, I'll talk about you know Ice Bucket Challenge was a great one where everybody yeah. kind of pulled together um, for charity. A charity that's obviously close to my heart, Crohn's and Colitis, they do a great um, great campaign called Get Your Belly Out to kind of encourage people who've got scars or costly bags or stuff that they're not you know a bit shy or nervous to show. They've got this great campaign, and I know that's helped a lot of people. And there must be millions of examples of this on small and large scales where obviously social does continue to help people. So I'm conscious, obviously, that um, we're not here to bash social at all. We both, no. we both need social to stay yeah. in our jobs. Um, yeah, I've got to eat. Yeah, and uh, so I guess on, on that note, what's, what's great in social at the moment, Andrew? Like, what's the stuff that's exciting you? You're an expert, you're a leader, <laughs> everyone's been interested to hear what, 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 what you think, what are the, you know, is there a new social network that I need to be joining that's going to make me the most innovative person in my friendship group? What's going on? What's, what's the, uh, what's new? What's the cost? Yeah. So the, the one that's kind of the top of the list at the moment, which is doing the rounds is the world record egg. Oh, I have seen that. So I would say that the World Record Egg is a really interesting phenomena. So there was a piece in Wired that I was reading the other day. So these are not my thoughts. These are thoughts of somebody okay. else that I've curated. Yeah. <laughs> Change the words around. Like yeah. An essay. <laughs> yeah. But they, but 
the thing with the world record egg is that it unifies people in the way that they want to interact with the world. So it's a direct, it's in direct correlation with the fact that people are kind of quite turned off by superstars publishing stuff. And the world record egg is a really good example of it unifying everyone together. It's also super rare. Yeah, and so, just just to explain to people, I mean, who don't know what the world record egg is, yeah, one you should check it out because. It is literally just a picture of an egg. There's um, now three eggs. There's now three eggs. It's beginning to crack. <laughs> we don't know what's inside the egg. Oh really? I actually haven't seen that. So this is really do, do we know who's in, who it is yet? Apparently, yeah. apparently from London. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very UK focused with the content. No. <laughs> I wish it was. You wouldn't be here. No. <laughs> you'd be busy. Yeah, you'd be on wired. Yeah. Cracking my <laughs> egg. Um so yeah, the world record egg is the 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 dream child of we don't know because they're still on us. Mm. Um, Which is who, awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah, still haven't come out as yeah. they are. Um, who decided to take on the challenge of being the most liked image on Instagram? So double tap all the way. Um, I think the record was held by Kylie Jenner holding her daughter Stormy's finger, uh, and that, I think that was around eighteen and a half million likes. Don't quote me. Pretty good. Strong. Um, and they wanted to beat that, and they're now at 55 and a half million likes for that first post that they, they featured, and they've got about <laughs> nine, nine and a half million followers. <laughs> it's gone crazy. The thing with that is that it's it was almost a the viral momentum of it was so much more than social. Mm. So it was featured on CNN, yeah. and there were posts written about it all over the internet, directing people to that particular profile and that piece of content. So it's so much more than just social. Yeah. Um, it's about PR and the, the press picking it up as well. Um, but it is such a rare phenomenon for something to explode quite so significantly as that. Yeah, I mean, if only our clients could work out how to go viral <laughs> like that. Still. Yeah. It's been 10 years. We want to go um, viral. <laughs> it's still a myth. Yeah. Uh, and it still requires a lot of money and a lot of effort and a lot of kind of process for, for a brand to go viral. There are a few really good examples in the last. Um, six or twelve months of brands doing a really great job. So um, Nike's campaign mm. last year was a really good example mm. of that. Um, I think the Patagonia campaign as well, kind of standing up for what they believe in and protecting um, national parks in the US from being sold off mm. for um, property development was something that was really powerful yeah. and really resonated with people. Proper social cause. Yeah. Um, but also uh, something more close to home around that kind of the, the chicken crisis of mm. 2018 with KFC mm. not being able to provide chicken to their customers yeah. and responding in a socially first way and above the line way with the rearranging of their letters yeah, in, very good. in their name was really smart and clever and really flew and yeah. <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and KFC got involved in the, the world record egg as well, so... I was going to say, it's very egg, chicken and egg focused. Yeah. Is it because you're doing the gander and you're thinking about eating chicken? I'm not allowed to talk about veganism. Okay. It's, it's, it's not very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've been told off a few times. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's the 29th of January, so you haven't got long to I'm go. so close to the end of the number to work on nothing else but veganism. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we, we've naturally come to the point now of brands and, and social media. What about when it comes to the money's spending? How much money should people spend on social? We hear it a lot. Mm. Am I spending too much money on Facebook? Or should I have an always-on strategy on Facebook? Is there an answer to that question, Andrew? Or 
should it should social be treated differently because you know, it is a little bit different to other digital channels or is there a is there a is there a you know a different answer that I imagine you're probably going <laughs> to looking at your face now you're going to tell me. There's a lot of questions. Um, I would say that it depends on so your budget allocation to social media should depend on your priorities as a business and whether or not your audience or your customer is there and how much you need to spend on producing quality that's um, going to work to achieve your objectives but also to distribute the content to people who you want to see it. So it's so much more than just organically publishing always on content. Of course you need to invest in that because it's an opportunity that you have to build an audience and a community around a certain topic or a business. Um, But what I would say is that not just being reliant on organic content, um, you have to work with uh, your budget in the right way to really, well, you need to invest in, in reaching those individuals, and if you're not investing in it, then how do you expect to get all the results that you expect to get out of it? Yeah. Um, a lot of people perceive social to be a free and easy channel to yeah. work with, um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the platforms have reduced organic reach significantly, mm-hmm. and if you're not investing in really good well-performing content and distribution then you're not going to reach the people that you need to reach and there, I think the new number is 2.6 billion people on Facebook globally wow. I think Nick Clegg leaked that in his okay. speech so that your audience is out there on social yeah. um, it's just reaching them with the right message in the right way um, and are the social platforms you think getting better at helping brands reach those people in the right way. And if you've got 2.6 billion people on Facebook and you're selling uh, a car, or you're a car brand wanting to you know, sell a car, there are going to be people in that 2.6 billion, whether they're your followers or not your followers, that are in the market to buy a car. Yeah. Are the social networks getting better at helping brands reach those people in those moments? Because you know, social media is all about moments, and you know, if there's so many people in those networks, there's bound to be people at one time uh, who's in the right frame of mind to purchase your products or interact with friends. Yeah, I mean, I would say that knowing what the role of social is within the mix of your marketing activities is really important. So if you're selling a car, you might not buy a car through Facebook, but it might be part of your journey on being aware of that. You probably would. (laughs) Just to work up the numbers. (laughs) Um, but I would say that being made aware of the car type or the unique selling point of a new car, can you tell yeah. the drive? Yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, is, is something that social can influence, so maybe it's an awareness driver, but it might not be a direct acquisition channel for you. So knowing what is the is the role of social to do that is really important for brands and businesses to be able to yeah. define that and know where to prioritise or invest their budget. Yeah, I think the KFC example is a really nice, nice way of looking at that. You know, they they put their message out there on social, followed up, as you say, with ATL, some great print ads and full-page ads in, in you know, national newspapers, but then they did follow up with, okay, the, you know, 
local ads targeted to this is your store that's now open. You know, this is what you know, this is what we've done, and a lot of them have actually had you know big refits off the back of that because people are people now know where their local KFC store is, and it's an interesting. I mean, I know where mine is, um, but yeah, it's an interesting point as you say around the role of social. I think in that example, it played multiple roles, but really helped to to drive the message home uh, that the whole campaign had been built to create. Um, I'm conscious we're probably running a bit long, but it's been a fascinating discussion. So I'm, uh, I'm sad to say we're going to have to cut it short. Um, Thank you for gonna, having me. No, not at all. I'm going to ask you one question. If we're sitting here in a year's time, having this discussion around social, what do you think is going to have happened in our in our world? Do you think the regulation is going to be stepped up? Or is there a new social network uh, that's going to come out of the woodwork? Is Facebook going to, you know, buy someone else to take even more control of the market? Where do you see the next kind of 12 months going um, in, in social? I think TikTok is one to watch um, from a platform perspective. They are fast emerging as one of their main contenders and they're just testing advertising at the moment. So yeah. um, they're really one to watch. I think and, and TikTok is for people that don't know. Um, TikTok is an application where you film short looping videos. Um, it's similar to Snapchat and Musical.ly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of aimed at quite a young audience, uh, Gen Z and below. <laughs> Whatever the other one is. Yeah. Um, who, uh, and you, it, it's something that is rising in popularity, so I would mm-hmm. say that's one to watch. And then, um, I would hope that we're further down the line of kind of protecting people a bit more from, especially considering the conversation that we've had today. Mm. Um, It's now 2019 and next year, 2020, is a particularly big year globally for elections. Mm -hmm. Um, I would hope that they put in place measures to protect voters, but also to encourage turnout. and I would also hope in the next year that we're turning a corner when it comes to fact-checking and fake news and people understanding um, that legitimate news outlets are the ones to trust and yeah. that, that trust is re-established within the journalist community. Yeah. The rise of the premium publishers again. Yeah. Cool. So, fingers crossed, we're heading in the right direction. Well, I'm, I'm an optimist at heart. Good, I know you are. We'll note <laughs> those down in the fact check next year when we uh, when we sit down. Andrew, do you want to, uh, actually, you know, on the subject of social, do you want to tell people where they can follow you and find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. A Jennings or on LinkedIn if you want to keep it professional. Let's do that.